You're listening to the Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode 36, Taking Time for Self-Care. Welcome to the Thriving Nurse Podcast. This is the podcast for nurses who know that to take care of your patients and your families, first, you need to take care of yourself. If you're ready to create a balanced, beautiful, and bold life, you're in the right place. Oh man, you guys, it is fun times in the Sanchez household. My toddler today discovered how to climb out of her crib. And so during nap time, we had a couple escapes. And as I was coming to record this podcast episode on taking time for self-care, I was like, you know what? maybe I should go do a little self-care right now. It's kind of been one of those days. (laughs) So I went and did yoga for a little bit, and now I am here ready to go with you guys. So today I want to talk about self-care. I know that with it being New Year's, a lot of people are making New Year's resolutions, and often New Year's resolutions focus around self-care, right? A lot of those goals are goals to take better care of ourselves throughout the year, whether it's through exercising or eating better or doing more of your hobbies and things you enjoy. So a lot of times, not always, but those New Year's resolutions are often focused around self-care. And the typical thing with New Year's resolutions that everyone jokes about is that you start really strong and then after a month, the gym parking lot is empty, right? Nobody's going to the gym anymore. Nobody's doing those things that they set out to do. And so today we're going to take a look at why you struggle to fit self-care into your life, whether it's in those big routines you're trying to establish outside of work, or if it's self-care at work, if you're not taking your breaks, if that's something that's really hard for you to do. Because I find that it's probably the same reason behind both of those. And so I want to help you understand why you struggle to fit in self-care, And if you understand that, that's when you can start making some lasting changes. So you're not one of those people who starts off really strong and then fizzle out. But before we get into it, let's start this episode off with a listener shout out to Danamatic4 for leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. So Danamatic titled their review, Positive, Meaningful, and Clear. And they said, Abby takes on big life issues in an easy and accessible way. Her thoughts and advice are relatable, positive, and useful. My favorite episode so far deals with how to say no in a way that is loving to myself and others. Awesome. Thank you so much for that review, Danamatic4. It's really helpful to hear what episodes you're finding useful. Not only for me as I continue to write the episodes and want to create content that's useful to you guys, but also for the people who are reading the reviews because it gives them an idea of where they might want to start off, what episodes might be helpful to them as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. All right, so let's talk about taking time for self-care. And first I want to explain what I mean by self-care. So I mentioned some of those New Year's resolution type things like exercising and eating healthy, things that we generally know are good for us, right? Things that doctors and research would tell us are good for us, that we're trying to do in our lives. So those would be considered self-care. But in addition to that, I include things 
that might even seem kind of frivolous. They're not things that a doctor is going to tell you you should do or research is going to back up like this is important for you to do. But for you personally, it helps you relax or recharge or just have fun. So it could be things like watching your favorite show on Netflix. That might be something that helps you recharge and feel like you're taking time for yourself. It could be a bubble bath. It could be going to get a manicure. It could be playing guitar or reading a book. So any of those things that you find enjoyment in that help you feel recharged and re-energized and more whole as a person, I would include all of that as self-care. And when we're doing these things, we can feel the difference in our lives, right? We notice those benefits. We feel better physically. Maybe we sleep better. We feel more energized or less tense and sore. And we notice how we show up differently in our lives. When we're feeling emotionally balanced, we're a lot nicer to the people around us. If you go to work and you're already feeling irritated or burnt out or exhausted, then it's so much harder to show up as the kind of nurse you want to be and the kind of coworker you want to be. You don't think as clearly. You're not as patient or warm and kind as you are when you're feeling emotionally balanced. So it makes a difference, right? When we're practicing self-care, we feel those physical and mental and emotional benefits. And I think it helps prepare us for when challenges come up in the future, when things come up that we're not expecting, we have a reserve to draw from. I think of it kind of like money. Have you ever had zero dollars in your bank account? I think the closest I've come as an adult is having maybe like 50 bucks. It was right before starting nursing school. My husband and I had gotten married a few months before that, so we had spent a whole bunch of money on our wedding, on our honeymoon, getting ready for school, moving down to where we were going to go to school. And so we had burned through all the money we had saved up, and our financial aid still hadn't come through. And so we made it down to the town we were moving to and still had about 50 bucks. And we're like, okay, that can get us some groceries and get us through until the financial aid comes through. But we walked in to check in to get the keys to our apartment, and we didn't realize they needed a security deposit before they would give us the keys. And I remember it felt like such a catastrophe, being like, oh my gosh, everything we've been through to get down here to start nursing school, and now we're going to be homeless tonight because we can't get into our apartment. Now, fortunately, it worked out. My mom was our hero and lent us the money until our financial aid came through. But before we had that help, I remember being so panicked and feeling so helpless. Like, I have nothing left to give. There's nothing else I can do. And I think often that's how we feel with our emotions. If we're not practicing self-care, then we might be scraping by from day to day. But then... If something unexpected comes up, some unexpected challenge or stressor in our lives, it becomes this huge catastrophe because we have nothing to draw from. We don't have that savings account that we can pull money from and be like, it's okay, I can handle this. And unfortunately, our moms can't always come through and save us or some other person in our lives. They can't lend us emotional balance like they can lend us some money. 
You can't be like, oh, thank goodness my husband has been exercising and taking care of himself because he'll get me through this. Or thank goodness my best friend is so emotionally balanced and stable. Right? Those people can support us and help us, but it's not the same as having your own reserve to draw from. So when we take a step back from it, we can see the benefits to self-care. But why do we still struggle to do it? Why is it so hard to fit it into our schedules? Most people think it's simply that they don't have enough time. I would say that is the most common excuse people give is I just don't have time for self-care. There are so many things on my to-do list. I couldn't possibly squeeze one more thing in. The other reason people often give is that they can't afford it. They're like, I can't afford a gym membership. I can't afford to go do these activities that I want to do. And so it's just not going to happen. It's not realistic. But the truth is, Those things have nothing to do with why you're not practicing self-care. It has nothing to do with how much time you have because first of all, every person in the world gets 24 hours in a day and some people practice self-care and some people don't. Now you might think, but I have a lot more commitments. I'm part of this committee. I volunteer here. I've got kids. I've got my family. I've got way too many things on my to-do list. It's impossible to put in self-care. But I promise you, there are people in this world with more things on their to-do list that are practicing self-care. And I know many people use this same excuse for why they're not taking their breaks at work, right? We think my patient load is too heavy. There's too much to do. I have all these meds to pass. I can't take my break. But again, there could be another nurse on your floor that has just as heavy of a load, just as many meds and tasks to do, and they're still taking a break. On my unit, there are some nurses who never take a break, but I always get my lunch break. It is very rare that I don't get lunch during a shift. And I don't think it's because I always get the easier load. There are some nights I'm still really busy, but I get my break. And I'm not saying that that's because I'm a better nurse or that I'm better in any way, but I'm just saying it's not the acuity of your patients or how many meds you have to pass that's causing you to take a break or not take it. Now, of course, I still think there are policies and practices that we can put into place in our hospitals that support nurses in being able to take their breaks more easily and in a way that is safe for our patients. But those things aren't the be-all, end-all factor because even right now in your hospital, on your unit, where the same policies are in place, some nurses are taking their breaks and others aren't, okay? And so it's not because of those policies or your patient load, which is a good thing because it might take a long time for those things to change. So in just a second, we'll talk about what it really is and get to the core of it. But going back to the second excuse about not being able to afford activities for self-care, we could say the same exact thing we said about the first one. There are people in this world who make less money than you and have more expenses than you that are still spending money on self-care. So it's not about how much money you make or how much is in your bank account or how expensive your bills are. That's not what determines if you can do self-care or not. 
So you want to know the real reason you're not practicing self-care? Because you're choosing not to. It is that simple. You're choosing to spend your time doing other things. And you're choosing to spend your money on other things. But self-care is always a choice. And sometimes you choose to not make that choice. And so the question isn't if you can do self-care. We know you can. You could choose it anytime you want to. But why aren't you choosing it? That's where things get interesting. Before we get into talking about why you're not choosing to do self-care, I just want to let you know, I believe there's a perfectly logical reason for it. I think it makes total sense that you're not choosing to do self-care right now. So please don't hear me say that it's a choice and think that I'm blaming you, that I think there's something wrong with you. I don't think that at all. I think it makes perfect sense. So why aren't you practicing self-care? The reason we do or don't do anything in our lives is because of the emotion that's driving. So our emotions are the fuel for all of our behavior. The things we do, the things we don't do, it's all because of the emotion behind it. So if you're not taking the actions you want to in your life, if you're not practicing self-care, you're not going to the gym or spending time with friends or taking your breaks, then it's because of the emotions you're feeling. Often we think it works the other way. We think that our actions can create an emotion for us, right? So we think if I practice self-care, then I'll feel relaxed and fulfilled. But our actions actually aren't what produce our emotions. So think about if you're sitting in a room feeling kind of bored, but you force yourself to smile, then that doesn't make you feel happy all of a sudden, right? But if you're feeling happy, then you naturally smile more. It's a genuine smile. And so it's your emotions that drive your actions. So if you're not taking the actions you want in your life, we need to take a look at what emotions you're feeling. So my guess is you're not feeling emotions that naturally encourage you to do self-care. If you're feeling overwhelmed, your natural tendency isn't to sit down and take a break and relax. That's not what that emotion drives you to do. Or if you feel a lot of shame around self-care, that's not going to lead you to take better care of yourself, right? Because shame tells you you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you don't deserve things. And so you're going to keep pushing through even when you're burning yourself out. Or another emotion you might be feeling is scarcity, scarcity around time, that there's never enough time to get everything done that you need to. And if that's how you're feeling, then of course you're not sitting down to eat your meal and put your feet up for a half hour because that feels like a huge waste of your precious time. So again, it makes total sense if you're feeling shame or overwhelm or scarcity or whatever emotion you're feeling, take a look at it. Is it one that naturally brings you to perform those actions of self-care? Probably not, or you would be doing it. So that's our first step, is you want to identify what emotion is fueling you. If you're not taking your breaks or practicing self-care in other areas of your life, What emotion are you operating from? 
So once you've identified that emotion, what do we do about it? It's probably pretty obvious to you that it's not an emotion that's naturally bringing you to do self-care, but how do we change it? Sometimes we try to force ourselves to do self-care anyway, right? It's that idea that, again, our actions will give us the emotion that if I force myself to take self-care, then I'll feel relaxed, even when I'm actually feeling overwhelmed or time scarcity or shame. But this doesn't work. The other day I was on a coaching call and the client was talking about how she was feeling overwhelmed and she had that time scarcity. But her daughter asked her to watch a movie with her. And so she tried to force herself just to sit down and chill and watch a movie with her daughter. But even though she was taking actions that look relaxing, that look like self-care, the whole time she felt antsy. And by the time the movie was over, she didn't feel any more relaxed. She actually felt more uptight and even further behind. So when we force ourselves to take action, when it's not coming from the genuine emotion, then it's not effective, right? Have you guys ever taken a break and the whole time you're on your break, you're just thinking about everything you need to do and what's going wrong with your patients. And then once your break is over, you're like, I shouldn't have even taken that break. It just made me feel even more stressed out. That's because you're not taking that break from the right emotion. So I know that's a weird idea to wrap your mind around. It feels like, well, how can I feel relaxed or not feel overwhelmed and stressed out when I haven't taken my break yet, right? It feels like we need to do that first. But we need to remember that our actions don't cause our feelings. What really causes our feelings is our thoughts. It's everything we're thinking and believing. That's what produces those feelings and emotions. When you think there is so much to do, I can't possibly get all this done. That thought is what's making you feel overwhelmed. Or when you think, I can't sit and watch this movie or play guitar. A responsible person would clean the house first or go grocery shopping or meal prep. Then those thoughts are adding to your shame. Or when you think, I can't go on break because a responsible nurse would make sure she's caught up on her charting first. Then again, you're going to feel shame and guilt about taking that time for self-care. So notice, what are those thoughts you're having? And what are those underlying beliefs that are driving those thoughts? Do you believe that self-care means you're lazy or irresponsible or that you're wasting time? If you do then of course, it makes total sense you're not taking time for self-care. And as long as you keep thinking those things and believing those things, you will continue to feel those same emotions. You'll feel that scarcity around time. You'll feel overwhelmed. You'll feel shame about self-care. And those emotions will drive your same actions. You'll continue to not take your breaks, to not do those things that you want to be doing in your life. So if we want to change this up, we have to start back with those thoughts and with those beliefs. So first, just become aware of them. Just notice what they are. Now, this step might sound really simple, 
but it requires us to do things we're not used to doing and we might not be comfortable with. So one is we have to be willing to pay attention to our thoughts. We have to be intentional about it because a lot of times we don't notice what thoughts we're having. We don't really pay attention to what beliefs we're operating from. It just happens naturally. So you have to intentionally take a look at what your brain is offering you. Now, the second thing that we're not used to doing is digging deeper than those original excuses our brain wants to give us. So if your brain tells you the reason I'm not taking my break is because I'm too busy, you can't stop there. That's not the truth. If you wanted to, you could make the choice to go and take a break, no matter what is going on on your unit. But for some reason, you're choosing not to. So to get to the real reasons, to get to those core beliefs that are causing you not to practice self-care, ask yourself some questions. So you might ask yourself, what would it mean about me as a person or as a nurse if I went and took a break right now? Even with these tasks I know need to get done, even with my coworkers running around like crazy, being stressed out, not taking their breaks, what would it mean about me as a person and as a nurse if I decided to go take a break right now? What would it mean for the rest of my shift if I took 30 minutes to go relax and sit down and eat? Or another interesting way to look at it is to ask yourself, what would it mean about me as a person and as a nurse if I didn't take a break, but all my charting was done, all my meds were passed on time, I didn't clock out late, I didn't have to hand off a bunch of tasks and report, my manager was happy with me. What would I make all of that mean about myself? Those are some interesting things to consider. You can ask these same questions about things outside of work. So what do I make it mean about myself if I go do something fun, but the house is a mess? What does that mean about me as a person? If I clean the house, but I don't go do something fun, does that mean something positive about me as a person? So answer these questions. The way you answer them will reveal a lot about what you believe about self-care, about what you believe is a good use of your time, about what's important and what's valuable. And I want you to know that you can keep those beliefs. There are times you might choose. I agree with that. I want to keep that belief that going and doing CPR right now is more important than eating my salad, (laughs) right? But just becoming aware of these beliefs gives you the option to question them and to decide if you want to keep them or not, because all of your beliefs are optional. So all of your answers to these questions, you can decide to keep thinking about it that way, or you can decide, you know what? That belief isn't serving me. I'm not going to believe that anymore. And most of the time, if we can bring those thoughts into our consciousness and take a look at them with our logical brain, they don't hold up. The other day I had a client and she made such an awesome breakthrough. We were doing a mini session together and she was talking about how she has a hard time doing self-care when she comes home from work. She's a home health nurse, and so she has more charting and things that she could do even after she comes home. 
And she identified that the thought she was having that was keeping her from doing activities that she enjoys was, there's always more I could be doing. And as we took a look at that thought, it was so interesting to see what it was creating in her life. That thought seemed really useful, like it would motivate her to go and get the things done that she needs to. But when she had that thought, there's always more I could do, then she felt stressed. And when she felt stressed, sometimes she would go and do that charting and get the things done for work that she needed to do. But remember, when we're looking at our actions, we're also looking at the inaction. So the inaction was she didn't go and do those things she enjoyed. She didn't go play guitar and do her hobbies. And so when she took those actions, the result she got in her life was she felt out of balance. She felt like, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing those things that I'm passionate about, that I really love. And so it was so fascinating to see that the thought, there's more I could be doing, actually led her to that result, to feel like there's more I could be doing. I'm neglecting really important parts of myself and important parts of my life. So as we become aware of the thoughts, it can help us recognize they're not useful in our lives. And if we examine them even further with our logical brain, a lot of times we'll realize I don't actually believe that, or I think that's kind of a ridiculous thing to believe when I think about it with my logical brain. So again, with this same thought, there's always more I could do. There was kind of this implied, and I should be doing it. I should be doing it all. Now, this thought sounds pretty reasonable on the surface, right? There's more I could do. I could go clean the kitchen. I could go grocery shopping. I could do the laundry. Those are things that I could and should be doing, right? So most of us could believe that, and it seems like it's just stating the truth. But where does it end? Even if the house was spotless, you had meal prepped for a week, you had even picked up an extra shift, it would still be true that there's more you could be doing. You could read a dozen more books. You could learn how to play the cello. You could make your own homemade soap. There's always more you could do. And if you believe that you should be doing more, then you're always going to feel that guilt and overwhelm. It's never going to be enough to take those emotions away. Now, most of us would say, I don't take it to that extreme. It gets to a point where I believe I've done enough and I can relax. But it's just interesting to notice, when is it enough? When do you give yourself permission to believe that now you've earned your break? So just become aware of what all those thoughts and beliefs are. And then I want you to know they are all optional. You don't have to wait to that certain point to decide, now I've earned my break. Now it won't mean all these bad things about me if I take a break. You don't have to keep believing those things. You can believe anything you want to. So once you've become aware of those beliefs, once you've pulled them from your subconscious and really taken a look at them, if you've decided that they're not beliefs, you want to hold on to, that you want to start believing something different, 
then how do we do that? How do we turn that corner and start believing something new? So again, I like to ask myself questions because when I question the belief, that's when it starts to crumble. And so if I find myself believing that I shouldn't take a break, that it's not responsible, that I have more important things to do, then I want to ask myself how the opposite of all that might be true. How could taking a break be the best use of my time right now? How will taking a break actually help me clock out on time? What if taking a break is the most loving thing I could do right now for myself and for my patients? Could it be true that keeping myself emotionally healthy and balanced is the responsible thing to do? And I can ask these same questions about self-care outside of work too. So how could doing something fun right now be the best use of my time? How could it actually be the responsible thing to do? How could going and playing guitar be more responsible than cleaning the kitchen? Can I believe that that is true? If I'm believing there's always more I could do and I should do it all, then I want to ask myself, is that something I really believe? The answer for me is no, I shouldn't do it all. But what do I want to be doing? How do I want to spend my time? What do I truly believe is important? So as you challenge these old beliefs and answer these questions, you'll develop new beliefs about self-care, about what's important, about what it means about you when you take that time for yourself. The difference between people who practice self-care and those who don't isn't how much time they have in a day or how many things are on their to-do list or how much money they have to spend on self-care. It's what they believe about self-care. If you want to make self-care a consistent part of your nursing practice and your life, then you need to challenge your beliefs about what self-care means. You can believe that there's more than enough time to practice self-care and do the other things that you wanna get done. You can believe self-care is an act of love for yourself and for your patients and for the people in your life, that self-care isn't selfish. You can believe that taking care of your mental, physical, and emotional health is the responsible thing to do and that it is the best use of your time. You get to choose what you believe about self-care. And those beliefs will determine how much self-care shows up in your life. All right, thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to take a second to head to Apple Podcasts to leave a quick review. Thank you so much. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Take care. 